Christmas is often associated with fragrances. We know that there's a certain smell that is associated with Christmas. Like, for instance, when it comes to Christmas trees, I like a real Christmas tree. Call me old-fashioned, but I love the smell of an old Christmas tree. I just like that fragrance. When I smell it, it brings back great memories because your, your sense of smell and your memory are very closely connected. So if you've got happy memories about Christmas trees, then you smell them, you get good memories. But if you've had a bad memory around a Christmas tree, I'm so sorry, Dave. I'm so sorry for you at this time of the year. I want to talk to you this morning, however, about the fragrance of life. Do you know that every one of us carries with us a fragrance? Every one of us literally naturally carries what are known as pheromones, but we also carry with us a fragrance. We carry with us an atmosphere. And it can be a good atmosphere, and it can be a negative atmosphere, it can be a positive atmosphere, it can be a joyous atmosphere, or it can be a depressive atmosphere. That's the plain truth of it. It can be a critical atmosphere, it can be an encouraging atmosphere. All of us carry a fragrance with us. We all carry an atmosphere, we all carry a fragrance. And I want to look this morning at what the scripture says about the fragrance that we carry with us. I want to see it in the context of the Christmas story and I also want to see what it means and how is it that we can change the fragrance that we carry with us because it's a choice that we make and a decision that we make. Are you with me? Yes. Okay. Oh lads, cheer up a small bit. And we should be done by four o'clock, I'd say. We should be done by four o'clock or thereabouts. Does anybody have a favourite fragrance? Anybody got a favourite fragrance? Have you got a favourite fragrance that you like to get? Anybody? I see a hand over it. It's just Sinead. Sinead, what's your favourite fragrance? Machino Teddy. Are you taking notes, Louise? Machino Teddy. Okay? You're good man yourself. It's already recorded. Machino Teddy. I've never heard of it, but it'll do. Machino Teddy. Anybody else? Uh, anybody else like a fragrance? No, all the rest of us like the smell of B.O. and bad breath. Come on, who likes the smell? Brother Benjamin Beck down at the back, what's your favourite fragrance? I have no idea what it's called, the cheapest one in Lidl. The cheapest one in Lidl, hallelujah! There was a girl here in the early service, she had a fragrant fragrance, and her favourite fragrance was actually a 4 euro 80 bottle of Lidl. I said, your husband is going to be such a lucky man. Ellis, my love, my darling wife. 4711, you do, you like 4711? It's a, it's a cologne, Elma likes a cologne. I'd be splashing on a whole I'd be having a bat in it, unbelievable. Anybody else? Come on, come on, anybody else? You're all very quiet over here, what's you? I see a hand down here, Noel, Noel O'Donovan, what are you wearing? The smell of turf. The smell of turf is his favourite thing. No, no. If they could bottle it, if they could bottle it. You know, at this time of the year, I see one more hand. Who's this inside here? Is this Monica? Monica, what are you, what's your favorite fragrance? Uh, tobacco by Tom Ford. Oh, yes. That's a lovely fragrance. I went to buy a fragrance for one of my sons for his 21st birthday party and I went into Brown Thomas down here in the centre and said he likes a fragrance, I'll get him a fragrance. I was looking for stuff called CKB. Anybody heard of Calvin Klein B? It's like, it's really nice. But uh, I went to get this stuff so I went up to this counter and said, can I get any CKB inside here? And the woman said, no, no we don't do CKB but you can try this stuff. I said, what's it called? She said, Tom Ford. I said, I've never heard of Tom Ford. The only Tom Ford I knew was a mechanic who lived in Ballybeyan. It was the only Tom Ford I knew. No, she said, who's it for? I said, it's for my son. Oh, she said, your son will have heard of Tom Ford. Has anybody here, here heard of the designer Tom Ford? Am I in a tiny minority? There's a handful that will admit it in it. Anyway, so she said, oh yeah, she said, try this. So she, she takes out a, a little dipper thing, you know, a little dipper thing. She dips into a bottle and she kind of gives it a shake for effect. And she said, try that now. 
Oh, I said, what's that called? She said, it's called Tobacco by Tom Ford. I said, whoa, that's gorgeous. That's really nice. She says, would you like some? I said, I th she said, do you think your son would like it? I said, I think he'd really like that. Well, she says, we have it in 100 milliliter bottles or 200 milliliter bottles. So I said, well, that's great. I said, look, I'll tell you, I'm not entirely sure if he'd like it. So I said, I'll have the 100 milliliter bottle. And she said, that's no problem. That's 198 euros, please. <laughs> And because I'm not German, I'm Irish, I said, no problem. <laughs> and I went to see the cardiologist the following day. Which you see, we're sold fragrances, and the fragrances are then designed to sell us, if you will. You see, I don't know about you, but at this time of the year, I noticed that a lot of the ads on the TV are fragrance ads. And the fragrance industry is worth 60 billion euros globally. And it gets at its real height at this time of the year. So I was thinking about this, and I was looking at some of the ads, and I thought, you know, the thing about a fragrance is this. It doesn't sell us a smell. It sells us as an identity. It sells us an atmosphere. It sells us the person that we truly want to be. Let me give you an example. The following is the ad for Dior. Sauvage, featuring Johnny Depp, Brother Benny. You see, if you're a man and you put that on, suddenly you become like Johnny Depp. Just as cool as Johnny. You can play the electric guitar and you're out in the middle of the desert and there's amplifiers where the power comes from, nobody seems to know. All your grey hair like mine will go black instantly. Hallelujah. Johnny Depp is four years older than me. Unbelievable. Not a black hair in his head. No worries in his life, clearly. Anyway, so you, you'll end up with that. And suddenly when you walk around, you'll become the alpha wolf. And you'll walk around and the wolves will start following you. And you'll have all that atmosphere. And the girls will go, oh, Johnny, I just want to be with you. That's what you do when you put on Dwar Savage. There's only one small problem with that particular ad when you translate it into Ireland, and that is that there are no wolves in Ireland. So if you put on Dwar Savage in Cork, a load of dogs are going to follow you around the place. There'll be Jack Russells and Bullstaffs and Labradors and Mongrels. That's what's going to happen to you. If you want to be followed by dogs, put on Dwar Savage. You know, men, we can be such idiots, can't we? Amen. Let's close in prayer on that. Because we fought for it. Here's, here's Shawnee on the couch at home, watching the telly. And his wife is looking at him. Hi, love. How are you? And next thing on comes to our savage. says, if I get a bottle of that, I'll be transformed into Johnny Depp. You won't. You won't. It won't happen. But of course, men aren't the only people who fought for this, are they? <laughs> Try this one. What about if you wanted to be a goddess? There is a goddess in all of us. In all of us. Strong as a lioness.
Burberry Goddess, the new fragrance. Burberry there's a goddess in all of us. Unless you're a man, there's no goddess in you then. There's a goddess in all of you. And if you put this on, you will run through the Serengeti, just like Emma, what's her name? You will run, and the lions will be chasing you. Small problem, you don't have to be from Africa to know that when lions are chasing you, it's not because you're the leader, it's because you're the dinner. That's when they chase you. And here's another suggestion. If you'd like to wear this smelling cork, no lions in Cork, but there'll be cats following you all over the north side of Cork City. No peace. You'll have no peace if you wear that. But you see the image, the leader, the alpha female, the, the, the lioness on the march. Roar! Strong, sister, strong. And there's a goddess in you. No, there's not. No, there's not. Get out of here. What about just one last one? Will you go away with one more last one? Yeah. This is the shortest one. Okay, this is only 20 seconds long. It's only 20 seconds long. It's Tom's favorite. It's Tom's favorite because he loves getting the ferry. He loves getting the ferry to France. And this is specifically for Tom this morning. If you will, Jean-Paul Gaultier. There's Tom there, There's Emmanuel there, Le mal élixir, the new intensity for men, Jean-Paul Gaultier. Le mal élixir, the new intensity for Jean-Paul Gaultier. Alright, this is also known as Sweaty Sailor by Jean-Paul Barry from Cork Lake. Do you see the image it's trying to sell? You also can be like, oh, heart throb in the engine room. What? What? What are you talking about? You see, it's just an image. It's just an atmosphere. That's all they're selling you. You're only being sold something. That's just an image. Like, you will suddenly become beautiful, attractive, powerful, artistic, amazing, cool, all in the one go, just by a drop of stuff. Come on, we're not that thick, are we? Amen. We're not that thick. But I want to look at a smell in, you see, the thing about the smell is, no matter what I put on, I use CKB, by the way. Darling, that's just a hint, I'm never using CKB. I use, no, CK1, 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 because like men or women can use it. But um, I use this, this stuff called CK1, Calvin Klein 1, I like it, I just like it. And I don't put it on so that I can smell like a, a rotten egg, I put it on so that it smells well. You know, it's nice to smell well, brothers and sisters, soap is cheap. Repeat with me, soap is cheap. It's cheap. Just wash, it'll do, do your world of good. But we do it to give off a certain fragrance, and that's the thing. But that fragrance will be interpreted differently by some people and others. No matter how much Duar Savage a fella can put on, if he's a rotten fella, he's not going to be smelling nice to anyone. You know what I'm saying? You with me? So it's all about the choice that we put on, and some people will like it, and some people won't. Part of the Christmas story is good news for all men, but it wasn't good news for all men in its most literal sense. When we look at the story in Luke's Gospel, chapter 2, of the angels appearing to the shepherds, here was the angels' announcement. This is what they said. They said, don't be afraid. Can I get an amen? Amen. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. Wow. It was good news. The hope of ages, the hope of millennia, was finally being fulfilled in accordance with God's plan. And he reveals it to a bunch of bumbling shepherds on a hillside outside the town of Bethlehem. 
But here's the point I want to make. That good news was not actually always interpreted as good news. You know, sometimes when you have good news in your life, not everybody interprets that good news as good news for them. Not everybody interprets your good attitude as being good for them. A classic case in this situation is King Herod. King Herod was not a nice fella. He was a murderous, narcissistic, weak despot. That's what he was, and he tended to deal with problems with violence. And so he hears the news, and we're going to read the story of the Magi. So the Magi see the star in the east, they come, may God bless us, as we read his word in depth in Jesus' name. And God's people say, Amen. Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. About that time, some wise men came from eastern lands and arrived in Jerusalem, asking, Where's the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we've come to worship him. So they see a star, they see a sign in the sky. I'm not 100% sure exactly what that sign was, but a star will do it. Stars are kind of a general covering word. They saw his star rise. They came, they followed the star. It brought them to Israel. Where did they go? To look for the new king of the Jews, where the old king of the Jews was. Because Herod was also described as the king of the Jews, because that was the region in which he was serving. That's the region in which he was ruling. So he come, they come in and say, where's the newborn king of the Jews? There's exciting news. There's a baby has been born. A baby boy has been born. And it's exciting news. Oh, yeah? King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, as was everyone else in Jerusalem. He called a meeting of the leading priests and the teachers of the religious law, and he asked, um, lads, do you mind if I ask you a question there? In, in translating the Cartes. Do you mind if I ask you a quick question? Um, where is the uh, Messiah? supposed to be born. Where's the Messiah supposed to be born? You see, King Herod is deeply disturbed at the news of the birth of a new king. Why, is king, why isn't King Herod looking to go to the manger and all the shine? And, ah, ah, why is he to Because the birth of a new king normally means the death of the old king. So this, which was a fragrance of life to everyone around who heard the news, was the fragrance of death for Herod. Herod knew that his Backside was on the line if this was a new king. I nearly said something bad. Thank you for saving me. He knew he was, he was in trouble when there was a new king around. Because the only way that a new king gets the throne is when the old king is deposed. And they're normally deposed with violence. You didn't get to vote out the government back in those days. I'm, I'm against this government. Oh yeah? Bang. That's the end of you. So, he called the meeting of the leading priest and he wanted to know where was the Messiah to be born? Even Herod twigged. That a sign in the stars must surely mean that a significant event is about to happen and it was the Messiah. It goes on to say, in Bethlehem, in Judea, the, the, the prophets and the teachers said to him. For the prophets said, wrote, and you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the ruling cities. For, for out of you, Judah, for a ruler will come from you who will be a shepherd for my people, Israel. That was the news. The news was that there had been prophesied since long, long, long ago, hundreds of years, nearly a thousand years in advance. It was prophesied that Bethlehem and Judah would be the place where the Messiah would be born. And he was the guy who was going to overthrow the whole operation. Remember, Herod also knew what the Messiah was coming to do. And that was overthrow the ruling powers and bring in God's kingdom. That's what they understood the Messiah was to do. So this was not good news for Herod. Good news for all men, mm, 
except Herod and despots and violent rulers, it was bad news for them. It still stays bad news for despots and violent rulers to this day. Can anyone say amen? Amen. Goes on to say this, then Herod called for a private meeting with the wise men. I just love this idea. He has a private meeting with them. Doesn't say anything in front of everyone. He says, let's come in here, have a quick chat. Yeah, yeah, come in, we have a quick chat. Um, and he learned from them the time when the star first appeared. And then he said to them, it's very exciting, isn't it? <laughs> he said, oh, I'm so excited about this new baby. Oh, it's fantastic news, isn't it? Um, listen, I tell you what you do. Go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child. And when you find him, come back to me. And tell me so that I can go and worship him too. Oh, Herod, you're such a great guy. He just wanted to go and adore the baby. That's all he wanted to do. Now, the wise men, if they were wise men, probably wouldn't have reported it to him in the first place. And the wise men, if they were wise men, would have gone, there's something iffy about this Herod fella. There's something about the look in his eye that I don't like. He didn't plan well. He didn't plan well. So what was good news for all was not good news for Herod. I want you to take that in your mind and into your heart. What is good news for you? That your sins will be forgiven. That you will be given new life. That you will walk in newness of life. Is not always good news to the people that you deal with every day. Yeah. We'll get a little bit to that in a minute. After this interview, the wise men went their way. And the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they were filled with joy. You see, it was good news to them. They were filled with joy. If the news that Jesus Christ has come to rescue you fills you with joy, you're a Christian, just want to say for the record, it should fill you with joy and make you glad because it is life-changing, life-transforming, eternity-changing in actual fact. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother. Remember, they're entering the house, so it's sometime after the events that we saw, that we read earlier in the story of the nativity. And they bowed down and worshipped him, and then they opened their treasure chests and gave him gifts of gold, of frankincense, and myrrh. And so of the Christmas presents that they gave Jesus, two of them were fragrances. They gave him two fragrances. They gave him frankincense by the shrub, and they gave him mirror by another woody shrub all the way from Saudi Arabia. The curious thing about it is if I thought Tom Ford was expensive at 198 euros for a 100 milliliter bottle, what they brought, you see the gold? We tend to think, oh, there was gold. There was also frankincense and mirror. And the frankincense and the mirror were almost certainly more expensive than the gold. They were such Precious items. In actual fact, frankincense was the very first, if you will, spice that formed the Silk Road, the spice route, all the way into China. Frankincense was the key currency on that route. That's how important that smell was. It was so valuable that it was found in the tomb of Tutankhamun, the Egyptian pharaoh who was discovered back earlier in the 1900s. It was found in his inside found inside in his tomb. It was so important. If it, whatever about the symbolism of it, I don't want to go there this morning, but I do want you to bear this in mind. When they opened these chests, the atmosphere of that room changed instantaneously. Because the atmosphere of frankincense and myrrh wafted around the place. And literally the fragrance of life would have filled the room where they opened these chests. 
It would have filled the room. And the thing about the smell is this, it, it's, it's associated with memory. It's called olfactory memory. Your olfactory system is your smell system. And it's connected to your memory, really deep in your memory. And so I'd imagine that from then on, for the rest of their lives, any time that Joseph and Mary came into contact with incense, frankincense, or myrrh, they remembered the visit of those magi. They would never forget that incident. So far in their minds was it stamped. So far into their memories was it stamped. In fact, the gospel says that Mary often heard these things and treasured them up in her heart. She remembered them. She remembered these incidences where she experienced and encountered an atmosphere that was so different to anything she would have experienced. Remember, Bethlehem was just a rural town. It wasn't full of of incense and it certainly wasn't full of myrrh. In actual fact they didn't have flushing toilets and they had animals everywhere so you can figure out what Bethlehem might have smelled like at that time if you want to yourself. It certainly didn't smell of frankincense and myrrh. You see when Jesus comes he himself is the fragrance of life. When we smell it, if we are tuned into it he brings life to our souls. When we take him into our souls he brings his life. His spirit brings life to us. His, wherever Jesus went from that moment and onward for the rest of his life he brought the fragrance of life with him. When you read the gospel stories everywhere he went he brought life everywhere he went. And if you take him with you, you will bring life too. Can I get an amen? You see, the thing about it is, and this is my point, we all carry an atmosphere. We all carry, if you will, a fragrance. Some of those fragrances are fragrances of life. We bring a fragrance with us that, that the people meet us. They know what we're like in a few minutes. You know the type of thing I'm talking about. You meet someone who's fairly happy and outgoing and joyous. You know the minute you meet them, they're kind of full of life. They have a bit of energy in them. There's something about them. And you can also meet people who are full of encouragement and genuine kindness. You meet them. They just radiate kindness. It just comes clean off them. And you see other people who are who they, they may radiate leadership or they may radiate power you, you get around a very charismatic politician and you see this guy really radiates something every one of us radiates something but we've got to choose what it is that we radiate we choose what atmosphere we take with us are you with me yeah. 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 you see we can take this kind of smell with us if we wish we can take this smell with us. There was a guy I knew many years ago, about 35 years ago. Um, I was, uh, I was in, in college in America and spent a year over there. And when I was over there, uh, you met all sorts of interesting people. But this guy over there, his name happened to be, as it turns out, his name was Mike. I don't remember his surname uh, right now. It's probably no harm because I'm on Facebook and Instagram. But I don't remember his surname, but his name was Mike. And this guy, Mike, right, he had an issue. And Mike's issue was this. He had a problem with the sweat glands in his feet. It was a genetic problem. There was absolutely nothing he could do about it. So everywhere that Mike went, there was a stink of sweaty feet. And when I say stink, think more stench than stink. So no matter where this guy went, when he walked up the hallway past you, you got the waft of smelly feet that came upon you. When you, he worked in the kitchen, it could be hard to get breakfast at times, especially if he was serving, because you're getting your breakfast and all you can get is the smell of old Lindbergh or cheese coming up over the counter and meeting you. It was very strong. If you went into his room, and he was a good guy, he was a decent guy, he really was, this is the thing. This was the thing about him. He was actually a really decent, genuine, honest, kind, gracious, giving, loving person. He just happened to be cursed with a condition that gave him stenching, smelly feet. It was a curse. It was a curse. 
I remember I went into his room on a couple of occasions because he used to fix, fix instruments and that. And he was, he was doing a guitar inside there, but I literally couldn't stay inside there for more than a few minutes. It was so utterly overpowering. He carried it with him wherever he went. No matter how we went about it, he carried it with him wherever he went. Imagine having 300 pairs of sweaty teenager trainers inside in your front room, and that's what it smelled like continually to be around poor old Mike. Decent guy, decent guy. But he carried an atmosphere, whether he knew it, and he did. No matter what he did, he couldn't get rid of it. It's the same for us. We carry an atmosphere. Do you know that you carry an atmosphere? Do you know that sometimes your husband or wife comes home from work and or another thing, and they carry an atmosphere? Never experienced that, no? Right. You're getting a bit nervous, aren't you? How are you, darling? Everything okay? Yeah, everything's fine. What's wrong? Nothing. <laughs> there's something wrong when somebody says nothing. Nothing! No, there's nothing wrong! And that can be both for, for me. We carry an atmosphere with us. But I want to talk to you, as we, as we head towards a wrap actually today, about something that Paul says to the Corinthians in 2 in, in Corinthians chapter 2. When he talks about the life that we carry with us, here's what Paul writes. He writes this to the Christians. He says, Now God uses us to spread the knowledge of Christ everywhere like a sweet perfume. Our lives, whose lives? Our lives. Let's try it again. Whose lives? Our lives. Are like a Christ-like fragrance rising up to God. What? Yes, your life and my life are a fragrance going up to God, a Christ-like fragrance going up to God. But then he says this, this is really important. He says, but, he says, this fragrance is perceived differently by those who are being saved and by those who are perishing. It's different. It's just perceived different. It's good news for you. It's sometimes bad news for other people. They don't see it as good news. You've got to be kidding me. It's not like that. It's, just per it's perceived completely differently. When you are rejoicing and glad in what God has done in your life and how he's changed your life and you can't wait to tell other people about it or you want to just say a prayer at a table or something like that, that's going to be perceived differently by different people. This is what he says. He says to those who are perishing, we are the dreadful smell of death and doom. That's what we are. To people who don't want to turn away from their sinfulness, their self-centeredness, their selfishness, their own way and their own purpose and their own plan. We smell like death and doom. What? Become a Christian and lose all my freedom. Get out of here. Why would I want to do that? Have you ever noticed that when some people, when you tell them what is good news for you, it seems to them like, what? Christian, what kind of a cult are you in? What are you involved with? What, what's going on for you, man? That, that, that doesn't work. But to some people, it is the smell of death. But to those who are being saved, we are a life-giving perfume. Here's the important part. You're not responsible for how people get the scent and the fragrance of your life. You're not responsible for it. They will come to God for how they respond. You are only responsible to carry with you the fragrance of Jesus Christ. That's all you're responsible to do. The rest is in God's hands. The rest is with others. All you've got to do is be faithful to what God has called you to do. You know what it's like when you meet a Christian? If you're in a Christian for any more than a couple of years, you know this. When you meet another Christian, you immediately understand each other. You immediately get each other at a heart level, at an emotion level, at a 
psychological level and most importantly on a spiritual level. You get each other. No, you don't go through the 127 lists of doctrines that you both believe. No, you just get an atmosphere and you know, this guy loves Jesus and I want to be around him. Has anybody ever had that experience of being a Christian, especially in unusual circumstances? You no, know, you're going through an airport and somebody's kind to you, and you kind of go, do you know, I think this guy might be a Christian. I mean, it happened to Elma and me there this day when we were in Spain uh, recently. We're going through an airport and somebody was actually very kind to us. And I said, I said to Elma, I said, do you know what? There's just something about this guy. He's definitely a Christian. A few minutes later, I see him reading his Bible sitting down in the chair. Hallelujah. You just know it. You just know it. But to some people, your life and the news that you bring about the coming Savior, about the coming of the Savior Jesus Christ, it's the perfume of life. It's great news. But to other people, it's going to be a stench of death, whether you like it or not. And do you know why it smells like death? Because it is death. Because the message of the good news means we lay down our old lives and we take up his new life. But laying down your old life means death to your old life. Paul said, I was crucified with Christ, but nevertheless I live, but I don't live. It's Christ living in me. That's what he says. So it is death. It does. But to some that you meet, and this is, what, this is where, where I want to go. Some people that you meet in this Christmas season, when you tell them you're a Christian, and when you tell them why you believe what you believe, when you explain, as Paul says, when you defend the hope that's in you, it will be the perfume of life to some. May God put many, many, many of those people in your path this year. Can I get an amen? amen. But sometimes you're going to meet. You're going to meet with a Herod. Some people in actual fact here this morning, can we close our eyes just for a moment, if you wouldn't mind, wherever you are in the room. You're here this morning and you've just met with a Herod. A Herod has come to wreak havoc and destruction in your life. A Herod has come and come against you this week. I want to say to you today that you are going to have the victory over that Herod. You are going to be the head and not the tail. You are going to be the winner and not the loser. So that I'm not speaking into complete darkness. There's a wicked Herod has come against some people in this room with every eye closed. Can I ask you, if that's you, would you just identify yourself so I can see that I'm not talking blindly into the air? Okay, I see, gosh, I see loads of hands in, in the room. I want to pray very briefly. Father in heaven, I pray that you would vindicate and justify and liberate my brothers and sisters from the attack of this Herod, Lord. Your word says, for this purpose, Christ was redeemed to destroy all the works of the evil one. Let these evil works be destroyed, we declare, in Jesus' mighty name. God's people say, hallelujah. You see, God also has a favorite fragrance. When Paul continues to say this, who is able for such a task as this? You are able for such a task as this. You are the one who is able to do this and bring the good news of Jesus Christ like a fragrance. Who is able for such a task? You are. Oh yeah, hallelujah. That's what God has called us to do. God has some favorite fragrances. Let me just fire up some of these. References, biblical references are available. I just want to clutter with loads more verses. His, one of his favorite fragrances is the fragrance of our prayers, our praise, and our worship. One of his favorite fragrances. God is thrilled and delighted when we pray. When his children come to him and honor him and praise him and worship. If you want to change the atmosphere of your heart, of your home, of your life and of your mind, begin to pray. Begin to praise and begin to worship. Can I get an amen? amen. I can tell you I've been a Christian for more years than I care to remember. It is the singularly most transforming thing that can happen to your soul. Is when you get into God's presence and worship him. Another one of his fragrances is the fragrance of... Are you 
use the word witness in case you're a visitor here this morning. We're not Jehovah's Witnesses. Just get that out of your head. Just in case you're wondering. Perhaps the fragrance of our testimony might have been a better choice of word. It is basically the fragrance of when we tell people about Jesus. Because that's what you're called to do. That's what we're all called to do, brothers. That call is not exclusive to Pastor Tom or Pastor Mike or some super apostle somewhere. All of us are called to preach the good news of Jesus Christ. But it doesn't mean we have to go with a load hailer up in the street. It means that when we are asked the question in work, we answer faithfully to what God has done in our lives. When we're speaking to our neighbors, when we're speaking to our friends, when we're speaking to brothers and sisters or strangers here in church, that we give an account that we say, yes, God has done this in my life. And we spread the good news, the fragrance of God's goodness in our lives everywhere we go. Can I get an amen? amen? God is pleased when that happens. And this is my personal favorite, the fragrance of our love. Brothers and sisters, let us love one another. For love is of God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God because God is love. Hallelujah. That's what John wrote. 1 John 4, chapter 7 and 8, verses 7 and 8. That's what he wrote. You know, a church should be a loving place. Can I get? Amen. Yeah, a church should be a loving place. A, people, a place where people come in and they experience the love of God. When they come into a church like this, they should experience the presence, the fragrance of life, the atmosphere of Jesus Christ, and the love of Christians for one another. It doesn't mean you have to get on with absolutely everyone in the world, but you should love them anyway. Yeah? Can I get an amen? amen? Julie said that's right. Do you say that's right? Yes. Yeah. We, it's the fragrance of our love. That's what pleases God. When somebody comes into our church, you know what? It depends. How are they left to feel when they come into our church? When they come into our home? When we encounter them in our workplace? I like what the American, African-American poet Maya Angelou wrote about this. She said this. She said, people will forget what you said. They will forget what you did. But they will never forget how you made them feel. So when somebody comes into our church, do we welcome them? Do we love them? Do we serve them? Do we bless them? The answer to all of those should be yes. We should make them feel at home. Amen. Tom thinks we should make people feel at home. I think we should make people feel at home too. In actual fact, to make people feel at home, if you're a visitor here this morning, this warm round of applause is to make you feel at home this morning. God bless you. This is a place for you to... how you made them feel if you dismiss them or treat them as worthless instead of valuable people will never forget it and that's the atmosphere we carry with us we choose to carry an atmosphere with us that either makes people feel valuable or worthless that makes people feel listened to or ignored that lets people feel val that feels makes people feel validated or absolutely invalidated it's up to us we must decide what atmosphere we carry you see here's the bottom line when it comes to fragrance, when it comes to the bottom line of carrying with us the fragrance of Christ, when it comes to the bottom line of carrying the fragrance of Dior Sauvage, this is what I'd say, the fragrance you put on is the fragrance you give off. It's that simple. When you get up in the morning, the atmosphere and attitude that you put on, that's the atmosphere you're going to give off. You can't give off anything else. If you put on Dior Sauvage, you're not going to go around smelling like Calvin Klein, that's for sure. 
you're gonna smell like Dior Sauvage. It's the smell because the fragrance you put on is the one that you give off. If you put on the fragrance of Jesus, that's the one that you'll give off. Wherever you go, if you put on the fragrance and the life-giving fragrance of life that is in Jesus, then you will give that off wherever you go. And you choose whether or not you're gonna put it on or whether you're gonna put it off. You see, when you go to a, well, I've never been to one, but when you see them on the TV, maybe the band will come up, actually, guys. When you go to a, an event, if you go to, or you see the Emmys or the Oscars or whatever it is, the, the Golden Globes, they always ask people when they're coming in, you know, they're dressed in all their finery, especially they ask the women, they say, who are you wearing? Can I ask you this week, brothers and sisters, as we go out into the, into the week this week, who are you going to wear? Who are you going to wear as you go out this week into your workplace, into your home, into whatever circumstance you face, into your neighbours, into the people that you meet as you come into your church next Sunday, don't forget we're here next Sunday, half eleven, don't forget that, um, as you go into church, who are you going to wear? I think we should wear what Paul told the Romans. He said to them, take off your old self. He said, take off drunkenness, take off quarreling, take off jealousy, take off fighting. And he says this, he says, put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. That's who we should put on. When we get up and we go from here today, we'll put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Can I get an amen? So that wherever you go this week, you will be carrying with you the Lord Jesus Christ. In the atmosphere of your words, in the attitude of your mind, and the attributes of your heart, you will carry Jesus. Let's pray. Lord Jesus Christ. We pray this morning, Lord, as we go from this building, as we head out of this building and back into our everyday lives, Lord, we ask you, Lord, that we would carry with us the fragrance of Jesus Christ himself, Lord. Lord, that we would put on the Lord Jesus Christ, that we would make a deliberate decision to display your attributes, your kindness, your grace, your mercy. Lord, we pray that every day and in every way we remember your goodness in our lives. Can I get an amen? amen. Lord, we pray that our memories would be continually refreshed by your kindness by your generosity and by your grace and Lord we pray that the atmosphere that we carry this week will be one that will bring life in our workplace can I get an amen, amen. Lord we pray that the atmosphere of our home would be transformed can I get an amen, amen. Lord the atmosphere of our heads and our hearts would be transformed by the presence and the fragrance of Jesus Christ, Lord. And Lord, we pray your word would prosper as we speak it, as we carry it, Lord, as we carry your name into every situation. Use us this week, we pray, in Jesus' mighty name. Can we pray that together? Can we pray that together? It's a really simple prayer. Use us, Lord, we pray. I'm just saying, use me, Lord. Use me, Lord, I pray, in Jesus' mighty name. If you're willing to pray, will you raise your hands? You want God to use you this week? Raise them high. On the count of three, repeat with me. Use me, Lord. This week I pray. In Jesus' mighty name. We pray it one more time. Use me, Lord. This week I pray. In Jesus' mighty name. Lord, we pray you'd hold us to our prayers today. Can I get an amen? Hold us to our prayers, Lord. Let us not be silent when we should speak up this week, Lord. We pray, Lord, we would carry the fragrance. We would make deliberate decisions every day to carry and to wear and to put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Bless us in this coming week. May your people know your peace. Can I get an amen? May we know your prosperity. Can I get an amen? May we know your provision.
confusion. In Jesus' mighty name and God's people say, Amen. Amen. God bless you, brothers and sisters.